Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. Good morning, everybody. It's Tuesday, June the 29th. I'm Scott Prather, and I have a special guest in studio for the next two hours. Jay Walker will be in uh, in the 8 o'clock hour. He is uh, back from a trip to the uh, the island of Hawaii. And we'll ask him about that. Of course, we'll listen to some god-awful music. But here to join us uh, all morning is a young man who has been here for the last four years and um, is about to head back uh, to a place, part of the country, that's that's closer to his roots. But we'll talk about his time here in Acadiana, and, of course, we'll talk some sports. I'm talking with KTC TV3 Sports Director Andrew Clay, the Emmy Award winner, and um, Andrew. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Scott. Excited to be here. It's uh, it's kind of a, a, a bittersweet farewell here this week. Man, um, let, let's start, let's start with that. So, uh, I guess you announced on social media yesterday. Uh, some of us have known for a little while, but uh, what give or take about nearly four years here? Because yep. I feel like you came yep. in around like what like it was like a September. It, or it something was like the that? Uh, it was Labor Day weekend okay. of uh, of what twenty seventeen. So yeah, it was it was very early September that we moved here, and um, it's it's been a it's been a great four years. I keep calling it four years because it's, it's four years in my book. It feels like it, right? What's what, what was your your favorite part about covering sports in this this part of the country? Well, I, I mean, as in it, it, I cover sports, so it's it, it's not picking out a sport. It's gonna be picking out details of a sport, and I have to say, warm weather in December covering high school football was one of the perks that I didn't foresee when I moved here. It's one of the things I didn't think about. And I remember that first year, I'm standing at a game, and I, I, I vividly remember the moment it hit me. I was at an Acadiana high game. Uh, actually, it was, yeah, it was an Acadiana high game. And, and I'm just standing there, and it's warm. And I'm in short sleeves, and it's December. Now, was it warm for, like, at Andrew Clare, was it actually warm? Oh, it was probably just warm for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I'm just standing there at, at a game, and I'm looking around like, wow. Like, this is Louisiana weather. I could get used to this real quick because I'm the kind of person who gets my, – my hands get cold really easily. So uh, when I when I worked in Virginia and West Virginia, I would often be wearing gloves by early October. Uh, and you're wearing jackets. And, and don't – and, like, I'm a jacket guy. I love sweaters. I love jackets. I love everything that comes with fall and winter. But I'm standing outside shooting this game, and I'm in short sleeves and just thinking, like, wow – this is amazing that it's December because it feels like it should be September uh, in my mind, but but it wasn't. So uh, that was uh, one of the things I'm, I'm going to miss because it's not going to be like that back in Pennsylvania. It's not going to be warm in the middle of December. I'm going to be freezing again, and I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. So you'll be heading up uh, to Pennsylvania. Your alma mater, Penn State, is going to be, is that like the main? Yep. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the main attraction. Yep. And... Um... How do you approach that covering your alma mater as as a fan? I'll tell you what I find it to be the greatest challenge of my career. It's going to be the greatest challenge because I'm a big uh, believer in in trying not to be a fan. I don't like rah rah. I don't like being a fan of the teams I cover. You know, you 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 have an interest in the teams you cover, and you become a fan to an extent. Only because it's easier to cover a team that you do have a, have interest in 
Um, but it's important to make sure you, you check that and you, and you check your fandom at the door. And and I find going into a situation where I'm going to be covering my alma mater, I'm going to have to check that at the door. And and I think that's a challenge. And I'm excited for it. I'm I'm really excited to to check that because um, I've seen some of examples in my life of what I don't want to be. Um, and so trying to find exactly how I want to be. He said that as he looked right at me. No, it was not as cute. I'm making sure. I'm, I'm trying to make sure I don't insult anyone or say anything. Uh, not that any of the people well, that t- I. Look, TV is, a, is, is a, you know, obviously a different medium than radio. Um, it's weird. It is. It, it, you, like you say that the whole idea of like covering a team in fandom, it's definitely morphed, I think, over the years. And, and some of it does depend on what your medium is. Um but the the you know the traditional old school, you know I, I'm not a fan of any team I just covered. I mean that is a very journalistic viewpoint, and uh, whether it be a TV reporter or an anchor like yourself, uh, that's I mean that's old school. And I think from a TV standpoint, that's that's a good that's a good way to be. Now if you if you're covering a team at a local level and you cover them for a while. You might develop a few relationships where, okay, you're not going to be rah-rah, but there's a party that's like, you know what, I I personally know that person. Yeah. So I, I, I'm rooting for them. Now, I'm not going to go on and, um, you know, or uh, in, insult the team when they lose or cry, or I'm not going to go on and, you know, jump around and swing my shirt in the air and twist it around like a helicopter if, if they if they. But they're still – and so, like, how much of that comes through in how you do your job? I don't know, you know. But it's – it's. Um, I think it's it's viewed differently in 2021 than it was just, you know, certainly when I was back in school, I guess, trying to learn about some journalistic integrity. But it's it's a little different now. Well, I, I think it just depends on what, what your primary role of your job is. Is your primary role information or entertainment? Right. And if your primary role is entertainment, I don't think there's an issue being being a fan. If people aren't – coming to you looking for the information and an unbiased opinion. Like, I don't think if, if they're not looking for that, then why, why hold that? But I think, um, uh, particularly on TV, I think I, at least for me, I still maintain that, you know, it, it's important to be strong, professionally journalistic. And I do believe in being a fan. Like I don't have a problem going on social media and being the fan of the teams I'm a fan of, but, um, I try to keep that separate from the teams I cover. And so fortunately, um, you know, I, I'm I'm a Philadelphia sports fan, as we all know. Mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about that. Like I'm gonna where I'm gonna be is Central Western Pennsylvania. I'm not gonna be touching Philadelphia sports, so I can still go and have all my hot takes on my crappy Eagles on Twitter as much as I want. I just gotta check the Penn State opinions at the door. And and honestly, it's been easy over the last four years to to check those opinions already at the door because it's kind of hard to. In Louisiana, when you're covering high school college football every Saturday, it's kind of hard to be a real fan of another team anyways because there's just no time. So I've seen Penn State over the last four years. It just hasn't been the way I used to digest it. You know, speaking of college football, ESPN 1420, Andrew Clay in studio with us. Uh, since you've been here, you're the team right here in the backyard, you've seen UL reach new heights. I mean, they finished 15th in the country, highest ranking in school history. You've seen LSU down the road have the dream season. Uh, you, you've definitely got a pretty full cup of college football in your time here. It wasn't like you came down here and it was just like, boy, everybody stinks. Yeah, you're welcome, by the way. <laughs> you're taking credit. Oh, oh I, so, I, I so am because I just I left Harrisonburg, Virginia before I came here where James Madison won a national championship while I was there and reached new heights. So I'm just assuming it's following me. 
Oh, so I'm just assuming it comes with me. Penn so, State things in store. I mean, that's that's my expectation. Me a reverse jinx because that, you're a fan. That that's my expectation. That um, you know, it just the the good luck follows me. So I covered JMU in a national championship. They they reached um, heights they hadn't been at in 20 years, and then I come here and 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 UL reaches incredible heights, and and LSU wins a national championship. So all I have to say, Acadian, is you're welcome. ESPN1420N.com. He wanted to sing that, by the way. I did. Young kids. I did. You're welcome. Um, I love that movie. Speaking of, you had one of your kids here, so they'll they'll always be a, yes. a part of this area that you'll look at your kid and say, ah, oh, you, were, you were born in Lafayette. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hannah, our three-year-old, uh, my wife was, was like six months pregnant when we moved here. So uh, Hannah is Louisiana, born and raised so far. And and Maddie is is from Virginia, so they're they're gonna. I wish I kind of wish they had a little passport of all the places they've lived because they are kind of becoming world travelers. Part of being uh, in the in the job that you're in, ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. You mentioned it. You know, you're a Philadelphia sports fan. That's how you grew up. Not, I can't stand the Phillies, but that's you know what. When it comes to the Sixers or the Eagles, I'm not I'm not a fan. I'm not not a fan. You know, I don't have any. Don't have any ill will. Like when I was really young, I actually I think you know one of the early starting lineup figures I had was like a Charles Barkley Sixers starting lineup figure. So I like like you know the Jazz. I like the Sixers in the East when I was a kid. And as I got older, I you know it was just kind of like whatever. But let's talk about those Philadelphia teams. Um, and I this is gonna hurt. I don't have a strong opinion about the <laughs> this Flyers is gonna hurt a either. lot. Uh, Benjamin Simmons. Ugh. There is a report out there by Scoopy Robinson, and he also had stuff. I don't, I, I don't take a word he says. All, all, all he says is this team is interested in this, which is maybe not a lie, but it's like every team is interested in Ben Simmons for the right price. Every every team could convince themselves we could fix that. I think. I, I don't say, think it's a fix issue. I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say every team. There's my I hot think take. I think there are a lot of teams that could say we could we could fix that. Uh, we could help that out. I mean, the fact that he's allergic to shooting a basketball. Um, report out there: the Pelicans have called and seen about whatever. They don't um, have enough to offer. I'm not a fan. The Pelicans have a ton to offer. Not the Philadelphia ones. Think about this: Philadelphia is a is a team that that sees itself as winning a championship. Pelicans do not have what, what the Sixers need. If if the Pelicans offered Brandon Ingram and all kind of first. You get no. a score instead of Ben Simmons? No, no, because you're... And I hope they don't do that, by the, the way, because I, I don't want Ben Simmons. The Sixers also would ha- are, you know, it's not just a non-shooting player that you're trying to replace with a with a shooting. You, you need to replace your point guard, too. So you have to be able to supply them with someone that can handle the ball. I, I actually think, and, and I, I, I believe the Sixers, to fix their issues, it's not replacing Ben Simmons as the problem. So are they going to replace Ben Simmons? Is he gonna? I be, don't think is so. he gonna be uh, next season? His stock is it's it's kind of crazy. Going into the playoffs, his stock had never been higher. Uh, coming out of the playoffs, his stock has never been lower. It's wild. Um, it, it has swung. I I think the issue. I think there's a couple of things. I've heard people try to 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 rail on Daryl Morey for not doing a better job. The dude came in mid offseason. The dude wasn't hired before the offseason. It came in mid offseason, like a week before the draft. So he had a, essentially a week to get a figure out who he was picking, and, and the pick ended up coming out really well. But he didn't have time to recreate this roster, and he never was. It was always kind of going to be – Philly and, and Maury's kind of always kind of coined this as being like an evaluation period. You know, Doc Rivers didn't get a full offseason to work with the team. And no one 
really had a chance to come in here and, and make it what they really wanted to in year one, and they just happened to be pretty good. I, I think the issue is it comes down to Philly still has the same spacing issues they had with Al Horford. It's just not as extreme. Um, the problem is Embiid, Simmons, and Tobias Harris all need the paint to cook. That's the problem. All three of them need access to the paint to be effective uh, because you don't, you're don't. you not going to sit there and, and guard Embiid at the three-point line all game because unless he starts heating up, he's not going to do it. And he didn't shoot the three with the frequency he shot in the past. Same with Tobias Harris. He's not a guy who you see on the three-point line. You're like, oh, I got to make sure I'm on him. You know, okay, maybe he starts heating up and, and you change your opinion. But Tobias Harris needs to be able to drive to be effective. Well, Ben Simmons needs the paint because the only place he's allowed to shoot even, in his mind. Unless it's the playoffs, then he's scared to even shoot uh, there. So the problem is you can't have three guys who need access to the paint as your three leading scorers in, in any single possession. Only two of them can be involved really, essentially, in any Mm -hmm. single possession because you can't get three guys in there at the time. (coughs) Um, So what you found throughout the season, and I'll tell you what, if you watch the Sixers this year, fourth quarter collapses and Ben disappearing in the fourth quarter was not news to you because at the end of of games, they were essentially defaulting, okay, Tobias and Joel, okay, this is your your time. Ben, you guys here, thanks thanks for your service. You can get to sit the rest of this game out because you needed the guys you trusted at scoring. I actually think to fix this team, you need to take Tobias Harris and turn him in, this is a trade, turn him into a pure shooter. A Bradley Beal, a Booker, a um, just one of those kind of guys who lives and dies on the three-point line, which would allow Ben to come inside. I also think taking Ben off point and turning him into more of a slasher would be better because that allows him to use his athleticism in a way he doesn't get to use right now, other than in transition. Then you'd probably need a point guard that can at least get some, knock down some open shots. If yeah, there. well, I know a good one that wants out in Portland. What are you going to give up for him? Tobias Harris and every first-round tri- draft yeah. pick you've ever had. I don't think Portland's going to do that. I don't know about that. I don't think Lillard's going anywhere. Well, it, it depends on how much Lillard forces their hand, but the reports that he wants out now, the Billups hire not sitting well with some people, and I don't think Billups is going to work. There, there's another take for you. I don't think recent coaches, recent players who have turned coaches, they don't have a track record of winning right away. Other than Ty Lue being carried by LeBron James a few years ago, they don't really have a track record of being instant successes. I'm not saying they won't become good coaches, but when you come off the, the floor and, and you go into the coaching, and even if you've had a few years, like they don't have this just, track record of winning I mean, right Steve away. Steve Nash won a bunch of games. Didn't, didn't Brooklyn get out coached so bad in that series? But, but he won a lot of games. Yeah, but that wasn't on him. Some of it just yeah. But that's my point. That's my point. Yeah, like, but it, they don't win really, championships. How good is your How good is your roster? Yeah, Dame Lillard doesn't want a, a playoff run. He wants he, a, he the, wants the a problem. The problem run. in Portland is Neil Oshie thinking that when they got to the conference finals, they were actually close to winning a championship, despite the fact that they got swept. Portland was a good team. Portland is a a playoff team, but. I think some teams get in the postseason and they're denial. They're maybe in denial about how close they are. And I think he was very, based on the offseason moves they made after that, he was very much in denial about how close they were to it. And um, they actually, you know, when they made that run to the conference finals and got swept by Golden State, they had two all stars, but they also had a lot of cap space. They had some assets, and he didn't really do squat with it, at least nothing to make the team better. 
And uh, I think those are the moments where teams have to be their most. If that close, that's when you got to go for the kill. Future assets be damned. You got you to put it all on the table now and just go for it. And if, if, if it hits, it hits. But they didn't. And anybody else would have given McCullum the three-year $100 million extension at that moment in time. Anyone else would have offered Dame the Supermax extension, which kicks in next year. Like, I get that part of it. But it's the other side where you got to get aggressive. And, um, you know, what was I reading? Like, someone was comparing, like, someone was like, you know, Lillard and McCollum can try to be like, you know, Isaiah Thomas and Dumars. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. First of all, I'm not saying that – I don't think McCollum is as good as either one of those guys were. But secondly – those Detroit teams, the supporting cast was unbelievable, and it was just a different game back then. I mean, they were the bad boys for a reason. You remember the Rodmans, the Sallys, the Lambeers. You remember the guys on that. I mean, if you follow the NBA closely, sure, you can name Nurkic. You can look at Aminu from a few years ago when they had a run. But, like, you, you don't look at any of the supporting cast in Portland and say, that's somebody I would just love. Like, oh, Zach Collins, he's going he's gonna to be a difference maker. They're, they're fine. They're, they're average pieces, but they're not – you don't look at that and say that's championship material right there. I think that's been the bigger issue in Portland. But Lillard, that whole it's just that whole thing is just weird. Like he wanted Billups, then some fans got mad at him because he didn't know that Billups was accused of rape many years ago. Again, accused, not charged. And then he got mad at some fans on social media for saying you should have known. That's going to be why suddenly he wants to get out. Like it, it all seems. I was talking to your coworker and our mutual friend Seth Lewis about it. If if he ends up leaving, I think there's just a lot more to the service than just what's being right now. Sure, you know, I, I agree. And I'll say I'm gonna just, I'm gonna go back to this. I just Billups is not the guy that's gonna win you a championship, and that's where Lillard is. Lillard is in a win a championship next year, not a win a championship in three years. He wants to win, and he's tired of. Pro- I would assume he's tired of watching all these guys team up with teams. You can feel like you're getting so close. I think the Sixers in this way feel a lot like you felt like this was supposed to be your year. And then Brooklyn went out and said, nah, we're just going to go take every free agent and 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 trade for every valuable asset there is in the league. And we're just going to build the, the most supercharged super team we've ever seen in the NBA. And it makes you kind of realize, like, if you're not moving, you're going backwards in the NBA. And I'm telling you. If Lillard becomes available, the Sixers will be a finalist in that trade. And I'm going to assume, I'm going to be shocked, I could be wrong, I don't think the deal is going to involve Ben Simmons. I think he. I think Lillard, if he gets to the East, I think that's a good thing. And, and if you get another scorer in Philadelphia and Ben can be a primary super defender, because there's no doubting how elite he is right. on the defensive side of things, if you can allow Ben Simmons to be a Draymond Green type player, um, I, I think you've got a team that is incredibly, incredibly positioned to win. Andrew Clay, our guest from KTC TV3, just for a few more days before he uh, heads up to Pennsylvania. And um, you're going to have to change that Twitter handle, right? No. What is it? No, oh, it's so, just Andrew Clay TV. Yeah, That's so when it. I came down here and I had to change my Twitter handle to to join KTC, I had noticed that a lot of my friends who had moved had made theirs generic because when you change your handle, you lose <laughs> verification. Apparently, so, they're just handing those out like it's nah, no business. I know right a lot now. of people that have been rejected still that shouldn't be rejected. Remember, well, I don't pe- even know how you, how do you, what do you even do to apply for one? Well, now they have a new process and no. you can fill out a sheet online. Um, they used to have that years ago. Yeah, they brought it back literally 
a couple weeks ago. What a miserable job. Can you imagine just sifting through that night and day yeah. all the time? But people are still getting rejected. And so I, when I changed it last, I was like, I need to go generic because I don't want to risk losing this handle. So I don't have to change it. So I get to keep my blue check mark. If you go to a, um, I feel like most news stations, they, there was some connection. Like there was. You, you get, you go somewhere, you get it. If you don't have it, they'll set you up with it. They, typically, yeah. What, Not what, the same case in radio, by the way. What you had to do is we had to apply through our parent company. There you go. And we had to fill out a sheet, and they would submit it and take a couple of weeks. And um, but now, you know, I'm good. I'm set. Once yeah. I got my check mark back, I'm set. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com twenty one after the hour. Um, who's going to the NBA Finals? Clippers. Well, this is easy. It's Phoenix. It looked good last night. It's 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 Phoenix and Milwaukee. We're going to talk more about that. Last up, last night's matchup, the CWS, kind of a snore because after the first inning, it was like, all right, well, don't need to watch this one. All the drama's gone. 22 after the hour. I'm Scott. That is Andrew Clay. We'll be right back after this. Jay Walker is going to be in studio with us in the 8 o'clock hour. Don't go anywhere. It's ESPN 1420.com. Welcome back in to the Great Scott Show. Scott Prather, Andrew Clay. So um, a lot of Mississippi State fans and their cowbells in the stands last night, over 24,000 at TD Ameritrade Park. The Vandy Whistler was annoying. (laughs) And uh, Vandy scored, what, seven runs in the first inning. They had Jack Leiter on the mound. And I said, I don't need to watch this. That's a wrap. And I didn't, and I didn't need to. No offense, sorry, college baseball fans. I watched, I watched Stuns Clippers, and it wasn't. It, it was a little. It was. It was. Let's say that they both played better than they did Saturday because that was not a well played game. But at least the game was in question um, until maybe you know the Clippers went up by sixteen in the fourth quarter. But I didn't. I, I'll be honest. After the first inning, I didn't really watch college baseball last night because. That thing, once once they had that big lead with Leiter on the mound, that was, I mean, they, they, they didn't even need to bother playing the next eight innings. Yeah, I, I was at Quick Slants last night, and it was 8-2 when I left Quick Slants. And that was a wrap. With Leiter on the mound, that was a wrap. I I did not watch it. I, I'm kind of pulling for Vandy, though, because I, I feel bad for those guys. You're pulling for them, mm-hmm. even though they've won and, uh, I feel and they bad. have an advantage. I, I, I feel bad. Because you've got a lot of hatred towards Vandy over the NC State and they debacle, had nothing to do with and it. they had nothing to do with it. Right, right. And I feel bad that they're being targeted, and people are like, "Oh, I'm, I'm definitely rooting for Mississippi State." Like, what did Van? It's not Vandy's fault. They did nothing wrong. They literally are just—it's a circumstance that they had no control over. So, yeah, I'm gonna—I'm kind of pulling for the guys who are are kind of the the eye, uh, the eye of people's hate. I don't think they really care much. They don't. Um, they they don't. won. The last one in also, 2019. Also, K- Kumar looking to Rocker's dad's an Eagles Go coach. back to back. So that's where that's where it is. That's really where it is. <laughs> yeah, Kumar Rocker. That's where it is. His dad is like a tight ends coach or something. What is it about Eagles fans that are just... We support. Uh, I feel like people in Louisiana should understand that. They, they support. No, what is it about Eagles fans that just... If you... If you if you have a bad day at the office, oh, they are oh. just the most brutal fan base in the world. Um. It's it's a tough it's a tough fan base, but don't you love that though? As a when 
I, you got to love that kind of passion. It's not just party in victory and party in defeat. Like, we're going to hold you accountable. Philly fans hold their teams accountable to the Sometimes highest level. We ran Andy Reid off, who then goes on to win a Super Bowl and plays in another Super Bowl. And I kept, I said, and all he did was win. All in he did was win. Philly. Just didn't he, win a Super Bowl. He had one he bad won. year. He had one bad year, but all he did was win. And I always said, like, this was a bad decision. Why are we running in? But then they got Chip Kelly, and it's like, okay. I mean, Chip Kelly made Nick Foles St. Nick. And, well, the rest is history. If you think Kelly's still coaching. The thing, like, in, in if, if you play for a team in Philly and you play poorly, like, don't even go back to the city ever. But if you if you reach like hero status, I mean, I mean, you see, you're what, like a god there. You see what Phillies fans are doing to to Reese Hoskins? Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. So the the Phillies played a four game series with the Mets uh, over the weekend and, and Mets, last baby. week, and uh, they they blew like three of those games. <laughs> they sure they, they did. blew two of the two they of the sure games. Did. They split the series, and Hoskins dropped a line drive right to him at first base. Uh, that helped allow the Mets win whatever, if that was, I think, Saturday's game or something like that. It was the one DeGrom pitched in. Yeah. And and so the, Hoskins has been great as a Philly, but he's not hitting the ball all that well this year, not that anyone is. And um, and he's had more. I think Hoskins and the Alex Baum kid, who I think is the Wichita State kid at third base, I think they're first and second in the National League in negative runs allowed. Or whatever that metric is, negative. You know the runs. It's not. It's not war, but it's. It's literally like it's a defensive stat mm-hmm. on on how many runs you have allowed, and he, they're like negative versus how many you've saved. And I think they're first and second as having the worst stat in the National League. <laughs> and so Hoskins out here costing Phillies like thirteen runs this year, and this bomb guy's like seven. It's like defensively, they're they're atrocious. And well, but they're ready but, to trade Hoskins. Literally, sure. everyone's ready to trade him. But the Philly fans would also be like, if you're a high paid player that's that's doing well, and you just have one bad game, they'll turn on you like that. Yeah, pretty much. You're talking about guys that are struggling a lot. I, one of the funniest. Now Nelson Aguilar dropped a lot of balls. When oh my gosh! Have but you, the the clip of the 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 guy that with the baby saved the oh, baby that's so from great. the burning building. They caught a baby. That had to be dropped from a building, and when he's being interviewed about it, he's so like nonchalant, <laughs> and he's like, "At least I can hold on to stuff." Unlike Aguilar, and he like gives the look at the camera. I'm like, "All right, that's amazing. Like that's uh, was, that's uh, fandom at its core, well, right there." You know, the Eagles fans, um, Eagles have never had a great wide receiver outside of that, like yo, like in, in all seriousness, in my lifetime, the Eagles have never had a great wide receiver except five minutes with To. Um, and, and Travis Fulgham had his month this past season. Like those are literally the only times the Eagles have had amazing wide receivers in my lifetime that I can remember. It's been a really rough go at it. So yeah, we're bitter towards wide receivers, and we don't trust a single one of them. Back when I was really young, I feel like Fred Barnett, Mike Quick. They were they weren't. That was that was a little early for me, but Quick Quick is a legend. Yeah, he's the last he's the, legend, isn't he? Like on yeah. like the color analyst, and mm-hmm. he was he wasn't like incredible, but he was good. Like you looked at those guys, you're like, okay, they're good. Yeah. Um, you don't look at any of these like when Freddie Mitchell was like the go to guy. It's like guys, Scary. he's not that good. Like fourth would, and thirty six, but he had a I mean he had a legendary moment. Was it fourth sure. and th- I thought it was fourth and twenty six. Whatever. The, you know how legends he grow. He gave himself the five fish, nicknames. The fish was ten inches long. That guy was hilarious. I'll give him that. But it was still like, he's not that good, though. And he's like the go-to guy. 
But hey, they hey, you got your well, Super Bowl. That's because Todd Pinkston was famous Pinkston. for ducking balls. Oh, there's a defender there. I better not catch that. Like <laughs> built like a, I don't know, man, just a like, a pixie like, stick. Yes. There it is. Like a stick figure is what I was going to say. Oh, he was say. a pixie stick. And he was afraid. You know how when you have a pixie stick and you like bend it, too, it breaks I would be too if I was about to half. get laid out and I was that th- thin, yeah. man. Yeah, he that notorious for ducking contested passes. Hank Basket. But, Hank Basket. One of the great names for a wide receiver, Hank though. Basket. Hank Basket. You know why I like Hank Basket? When he was with the Colts, he touched the ball on the Saints onside kick in the Super Bowl and couldn't reel it in. I mean... Philly fans have had a rough go at wide receivers, so we are just bitter. We seem to be doing okay at the running back game, but uh, the wide receiver game has been rough. ESPN1420.com, Scott Prather. Andrew Clay is uh, is in the house. Clippers beat the Suns last night. Uh, Paul George had 41. Let's say Kawhi does come back in the next game. The Clippers pushed this to seven. I mean... We've seen Chris Paul up 3-1 before. He's so close to the finals. And I know there's a lot of other stories about the Suns, but Chris Paul is what I'm leading with here. Are After last night, are Suns fans starting to get nervous because they're that close, or do they not start getting nervous until a potential Game 7? I don't think you're nervous till Game 7. I mean, you just expect a series to be closer than, than in a 4-1, five-game series. No one expects. Even, even when a team is injured, you expect a team that's gotten this far and has star power to just be able to win a game. I guess so. What's weird is like the Clippers have never been in this position either. Um, they've never been in a conference finals before until this year. But they they don't feel like – it's not like they got to the conference – I feel like Suns fans have been – they've been at one finals before. But after last night, man, I, I get I get this sense of like – nervousness maybe that's just because i follow chris paul his whole career and i know he's been close before and he's had some bad luck i i feel a sense of nerves after last night's loss and maybe that's just me even though i'm not like a suns fan but um tell you what man if la gets the win in la uh and 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 they'll probably be favored in games i don't have the line i guess i can pull it up i think if it gets to game seven man it's like one team feels like they have a lot more pressure despite the fact that Neither of these teams aren't used to this situation. Like if it gets to seven games, who, who's who has more pressure on them, Phoenix or the Clippers? Oh, the Clippers. I, I you think so. Well, I know what you're saying about Chris Paul, but <sighs> but Chris Paul's pressure is, is separate of the rest of the the but other 14 guys on that team. Don't they all like? I mean, the guys talk about him so much, though. You get the sense that they're like they want to do it so bad for him. They do, and I, I agree with you. That there's a lot of pressure there, but I don't know if that's true pressure. Like yes, you get yes. There's pressure, but not in the, in the same way. I think um, the Clippers are going to feel because the Clippers, if this doesn't work out, they might blow it up. Well, yeah, or Kawhi just might leave anyway. Yeah, I think the Clippers have to know like if if they underperform yet again, like this might it might be a, another change. Of Clippers the- are a one point favorite uh, for tomorrow I, night. I, I'm just I think this is it's the Sun series, and, and I think for the better team. I think they're the better team healthy. They feel like they do feel like kind of a team of destiny for sure. Um I, I thought last night there were I thought Monty Williams, I like him, got out coached a little early in that game. When 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 the Clippers came out in zone, 
and they re- opened that game up on that 18 to 5 run. It was like 20 to 5 to start the game. Yeah. yeah. You got to call a timeout before you get into that kind of hole, especially when you're coming out seeing something you're not you expecting to see. Now, there maybe is an argument that he wanted to see how they responded. You know, how how do the guys naturally respond to the zone? Like how can can they figure this out? But once you got down to like 18-5, like I mean, that was too late to call timeout. He, um, you he, had the press resets. He said they gotta they gotta play more desperate. They're desperate. You can't just show up. You gotta feel it. Closeout games are tough, and the Clippers have. I think they've shown this season that when their backs are against the wall, that's when they, that's when they've been playing their best. I mean, everybody. So many left them for dead when they're down 2-0 to Dallas. Same thing in round two, and now here you are with Utah. And now here you are in round three. They're down. 2-0 after the Valley Oop, everyone's kind of leaving them, you know, oh, they can't do it. Sick. I mean, they just they keep I mean, what if they what if that Valley Oop doesn't happen and they're up right now? A lot of what ifs. The reality is they were down 3-1. They played awful on Saturday night. Um they haven't had Kawhi Leonard. I I, I think the Clips could force a game 7 here. And I love game 7. Well, I'm all they, for it. Bring I, bring give me a game 7. I love it. I think they they could force a game 7 too, but but if I'm a betting man, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's, it's been, I'm betting Suns. I was betting Suns before the series, during the series. I'm still betting. I mean, I'm betting them now. Milwaukee tonight, um, Atlanta, maybe Trey Young, maybe not. Atlanta's, they, they've had a nice ride here. Is this, is this it tonight? I've, I've never rooted against a team quite so hard in my life. Ah, <laughs> uh, who? Atlanta, I've never rooted against a team quite this much. Really? I rooted against the Nets because I, I, I view them as the villain, the super villain. You're just, you're just bitter about the Hawks. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. Very bitter. Yeah. I won't hold those feelings back. Yes, I'm bitter. I mean, you'd be bitter too. 269-1077. Phone lines are open. Um, yeah, they... I think I think uh, as long as they don't lose tonight, man, they're going to go ahead and look. As long get, as get the old the old gentleman sweep. As long as how, how does how does Giannis's brother say his first name? Is it Theonis? Thanis? I don't know how his brother says it. As long as he keeps defending those ghost defenders, those ghost shooters out there like that, I think the Bucks are in good shape. You've seen that video, right? Yes. I mean, there wasn't a guy within twenty feet. What He's is he jumping doing? for a like. He's seeing things. It's like Baker Mayfield once said, "Yeah, I see ghosts." That was what that was Sam Darnold, right? Oh, Sam Darnold. Yeah. Sorry, Baker. I apologize. I apologize to the Baker Mayfield fan club out there. Watch out! He takes things way too personal. I know. He'll hear you say that and call you out publicly. It's like KD. Yeah, yeah Durant, Durant, and Mayfield may probably the two most. In, you know, you can't tweet about Durant without would, potentially dude. him. At least he's in not Indians. doing it for burners anymore. I mean, he's just going hard. Although I I um I did I'm not a Durant guy because I, I don't like the way he's done all this. Although I don't blame him for what's happened in in Brooklyn. Like he didn't trade for Harden. He teamed up with Kyrie. Like he didn't. It's not his fault that they mm-hmm. decided to build more. Uh, but uh, I defended him on Twitter the other day because someone was that that whole it was the whole like oh he he shouldn't be putting the team on his back. He should be facilitating the whole Scotty Pippen take. You should have a coach making sure that um, the whole team is involved and, and you're not out there playing hero ball. That's the coach's responsibility as much as it is the player's responsibility. Like Steve Nash was outcoached in every facet of that series. Had a lot of experience. Every facet. 
ESPN 1420. All right, we got lines lit up. Uh, let's go to line one, and uh, everyone else on hold, hang tight. We'll get to you. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Hello. Milwaukee to lose Sunday off the strength of those uniforms. Scott, what was that? That, that, was, uh, that like, like I a, don't want to watch. Yeah, like I don't want to watch. soft drinks while, while they was wearing those type of uniforms. It, it, it looked like the Mavericks, you know, like got like yeah. they, they they got in, they got half of their bodies in an ice bath to like. You know, they because their lower bodies were sore, and then they just got out of the ice bath and just went and played. Like I don't like watching these playoff games where when you turn it on, you you get confused. Wait, isn't it Milwaukee playing? Like what? That was that was hideous. I don't like these dumb. You, if you want to do that in the regular season to sell a few more jerseys, all right, whatever. Don't do it in the playoffs. I love the alternate uniform theory, but I think there should be a rule that. That the average fan must legitimately recognize the team. Yeah, like, I'm okay if you want to have that uniform, but it needs to still look like the Bucks uniform. Because I get, I'm with you guys. I legitimately will turn on games and kind of tilt my head sideways, like, and, and try to figure out who's playing because I, I don't the recognize worst. these. These prior to that, the worst of the postseason. And now I, I'm with you there, Andrew. I mean, to an extent, I, I wish you just go traditional in the playoffs, but. Remember the Heat in, like, their first game of the postseason? Like, the Miami Heat have some good unis. They were, like, this Washington football team shade of, like, yellow. Yeah, they, they called— And it was like, what—are they are the Pacers—like, what's Wait, going on Do you know the whole here? story to that one? That no, I just, I just know that I, I was like, why no. in the hell would you wear that in they, the they call that color—it's either trophy gold or, like, Larry O'Brien gold or something. And so they played a game, I think, this year against Memphis— and Memphis's social media guy said something about like, oh, those awful Miami uniforms. And they responded like, that's called Larry O'Brien gold or trophy gold or championship gold. Uh-oh. And they said, but we understand you don't understand. <laughs> what a dig. And that turned out to be this huge Twitter feud about Miami just be like, we understand you don't know what a championship trophy looks like, but that's what it looks like. Yeah. The championship trophy is better jersey. looking than those units. I-, I thought that was a... Um a Pepsi Cola can. That was awful too. <laughs> you're the Knicks, and you're finally back in the playoffs. Why were they wearing that? Though? I don't know. I, I don't like the Sixers. I thought it was <laughs> Pepsi can cut like Pepsi black. You know, I don't know. If they I don't know anything about soft drinks, but if they had a a Pepsi can, they ever had that before? Pepsi black? No, uh, they do now. I think you just coined it. <laughs> no, well, it's like Pepsi One, right? I, I, but why? But, uh, why is it just me? I feel like in the in post seasons of the past, this wasn't allowed. You couldn't wear all these alternate units. No, I think this is a newer thing, isn't it? It's so stupid. I but you you it. earn yeah, uh, you earn these. New. Don't you earn uh, these jerseys now? I hope not. <laughs> no, I legitimately think there's something in the code. You have to earn your ability to wear these jerseys by finishing so high in the standings the year before. It should be a punishment right. is what it should so be. So you're trying to stop their earning of money, right? <laughs> that's, that's the only that's reason why something like this is put out. That's right. You know, more people are watching, so why not, you know, I, like I said, man, I, when I look at that, that look like a, a bottle of Fago, like a Fago drink. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. That, that soda blue, whatever. I know what you're uh, talking about. Um, yeah. <laughs> Neha, Neha. I'm saying Fago. Let me go with the Neha. I'm going with uh, Neha. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, man, uh, I'm glad Norm is wrong, man. I'm glad Norm's wrong. Um, He's talking about four, you know, five. Come on. Like like you said, you said it best, Scott, so there's no more. It's not even – there's no reason for me to go into it. 
you know, Clippers basically when their back's against the wall, they they're just gonna go out there and just play. You know, they're gonna, you know, I, I still see Phoenix winning the series. Uh, matter of fact, tomorrow. But um, yeah, it's cool, man. I think uh, Chris Paul get over the hump. You know, um, uh, Scott. Realistically, he only been in one of these. You know, I know we, I know the situation in Houston, but he was hurt. Man. You know, I can't. Can't really fault him for that one, but the three one when he when he was at the Clippers when they lost to uh, Houston. Yeah. Okay. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens tomorrow, man. Paul George, he showed up, man. Forty one. Um, you know, man, hey, he didn't man, have to Reggie hit any Jackson free throws late in the game, though. So Reggie Jackson took a three late in the game. That would have gave him what twenty six. You know, Norm on this. Oh, I said he can't get twenty four or something. He, he was saying. But hey, who cares? I, I feel I feel you like know? he I feel like I feel like he's I feel like Norm's just laying out these bear traps, Jay, and you just keep walking into him. And that's what he wants you to do. He wants you to react like that. Nah, man. That's how you really look at the game. There's not no bear traps. He's, you know. He, one point here or there. He's just you you know you know the game. You know how Norm works. Yeah, like you said, you're in the studio. You could probably see his face, you know, watch this. But uh <laughs> It's all good, but all right. Uh, congrats, uh, congratulations, man, uh, to the uh, Andrew Dice Clay. Uh, congratulations to you, and um, uh, wish you well in the future. I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. How many people call you Andrew Dice Clay? Oh my gosh! So the, there's a great story to that, though. So everyone in, in Spanish class in high school has a nick, has has a name, right? You pick a Spanish name, right? I couldn't tell you what mine was my senior year because my teacher just called me Dice Man. Dice man. Like he was a former college football player, um, and and he was just this big six four, three hundred pound former offensive lineman that you just didn't trifle with. And he just dice man. I, I literally could not tell you what I had that it's, year. It, it, the, the irony is you're nothing like Andrew. No, Dice-Clay. that's the but irony of the whole thing. I used to really hate it. Um, I really used to hate it because of of the kind of comedy he did and does. Uh, but a boom, but a bang, yay! The older I get, the more I kind of lean into it a oh little my bit. Gosh! Uh, all right, ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Let's head back to the phone lines. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, so, what's up? Uh, no, lo- not much, brother. No love for uh, Deshaun Jackson. I mean, y'all, y'all talk about Fred X. And, oh yeah, and that's EO, true. So. That's true. So well, <laughs> I mean, you, you uh, stop. You guys had an absolute dog. At receiver with Jason Jackson, he had walk off his touchdowns yeah, in his career. I was definitely remiss for not bringing up he was he is the the guy. I, I was re- I was remiss for not bringing up Silver you. Linings playbook. I mean, the guy Bradley Cooper just walking around in a Deshaun Jackson jersey everywhere. I, I always hated how the That's right. the first Deshaun Jackson <laughs> era ended. You know, because there was all this rumored off-field stuff that mm-hmm. um, soured ownership with him, and and even though like none of that could be substantiated, I always hated how that first breakup went. But a lot of that had to do with too the the Andy Reid guys. When Andy Reid was gone, like they went with him. Like he didn't take them, but like Philadelphia kind of disassociated themselves with a lot of Andy Reid guys. Man, um, I, I've made a lot of I made a lot of points off of him in fantasy. So. 
Just you're yeah, right. The guy, the guy was a multi-time Pro Bowler. He's, yeah, he, yeah. yeah. Andrew, Andrew just—that's yeah. all it was. It was a brain fray. It happens. It's not a big deal. It, 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 it totally it happens. No, it's, but no, it's funny. Wait, 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 wait. My, my account was hacked. The password's <laughs> been changed. <laughs> no, no, he didn't say that. He just said I've changed my passcode. Oh, I've changed yeah, my changed password. My passcode. <laughs> sorry, sorry. My 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 account was hacked. Oh I, my god. Anyway, one of the uh, one of the crystallized the uh, conversation. Some. Y'all Thank you, man. Boy. Appreciate it. it. He waited on hold for a while to remind you about the shot. He, he did. Uh, like I said, my account was hacked. Uh, it's it's no excuse. I got to get that two factor verification on there. Jeez Louise, man, <laughs> Deshaun. It's not just he's still playing. What? Yeah, but the Deshaun Jackson that I was great it. in Philly was a long it. time ago. But the ago. fact that he's still he like is. he's been at least since '08, and he's been like I mean he's had I was some, remiss. He was he's had a lot of surgeries, See, a lot of injuries. I'll say this though about Deshaun Jackson: as great as he was in Philly, Deshaun Jackson's never been an elite number one. He's an elite number two, but he's not an elite number one. He never has been. He's been a one-trick pony. He's, he's been, been a guy a, that tracks. He's been the an deep. elite number one returner though. Cool. Oh yeah! Oh Man. my gosh! Yes. All yeah, pro in the miracle in the Meadowlands. That was wild. But he's never been. Off. You know, Philly has never had the Michael Thomas that I can remember. Mm-hmm. They've never had that guy that you can get a hundred catches out of. What made Deshaun Jackson so valuable and valuable in fantasy is his deep ball. No one tracks a deep ball like Deshaun Jackson. Mm-hmm. Like legitimately, that is a skill set that would make Willie Mays proud. The way Deshaun just tracks those basket catches over his shoulder like no one has ever tracked. It's what made him and McNabb a good pairing because McNabb, for all his faults, McNabb had the one of the strongest arms that we've ever seen. I mean, there used to be a time where they used to make excuses for Eagles receivers. I kid you not, because McNabb threw too hard. There was a time early in McNabb's career, before, particularly before Deshaun was there, where there was all these excuses made because McNabb threw the ball too hard. I grew up... James Thrash, it was too hard for him. Yes. I grew up on um, Comcast. You know, it's, it's the Fox Sports New Orleans of, of Philadelphia, or at least it was. I don't think it's that anymore. I grew up watching um, like Mike Gunn and, and those guys... And there were legitimately like reports and stories about guys cranking up the ball machines, the, the jug machines, so that the balls came out faster because McNabb threw so hard and guys couldn't catch it. Like, what an excuse you're a pure for wide NFL receivers. Player. You're right. an NFL receiver. But that arm strength is what made Deshaun Jackson so valuable because you could just air that ball out there. Mm-hmm. But he's never as good as he was, like, I don't know what's his most career catches. I know I'm not he, sure. he he I don't know, did he ever go more than seventy? We'll find out. In the meantime, let's take a phone call, uh, Kyle, on line three. Good morning. What's up? Hey. What's happening? I had a question for you. Basketball question. Um, do you think that uh, Leonard is going to be with the Clippers next year? No. Hello? No. I don't think he'll be. I, I, yeah, I mean, would does does he have any time left on his contract? He does, but it's a player opt out, so he can he can opt out after this season. Did, why would anybody want that guy? Well, I mean, I know he can play. He plays, he's pretty. Why, 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 when he plays, he's ridiculously good. He's one of the best players in the league. He's he's horrible for 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 the team though. All it takes, all it look. San Antonio and Toronto would tell you differently. Why is he horrible for the team? 
he's horrible for this team for for the Clippers. They uh, they they may quote. I, I hate when they when when a team gets a player that's like supposedly a superstar, and he supposedly makes them better, but in reality he doesn't make them any better. Like James Harden with the Nets in the playoffs was horrible. Okay, yeah, Kawhi, Kawhi, Kawhi's got a track record of. I mean, he's got an NBA Finals MVP. Here's here's what I'll say about Kawhi, right. and I've said this before. He needs to be somewhere where he's not viewed as the guy that's supposed to be the guy, right? Like, he, when he was in San Antonio, uh, you had a very strong locker room. He went to Toronto. I mean, he was the guy thing. in Toronto. Yeah, but but when he got there, the locker room was ex- – it wasn't his. You know what I'm saying? He, like, in L.A., uh, they put together a, a, a new roster for the most part and looked at to be, like, the guy, and, and that's just not his style. He needs to just kind of – Fit well, in I, on the, I, I, on the I, outside of the circle to an extent, and just kind of do his well thing. Philly. And he fit. What's that? He'd fit yeah. well in Philly. I'd, I'd take Kawhi. Well, Joel can be the personality and the guy that answers all the questions. Kawhi can silently kill. <laughs> I I see your point on that. I I can I can buy into that. But it, to me, watching this team play in these playoffs, there's no doubt in my mind that they became a better team without him than they were with him. And I think maybe a lot of that is because of what you were saying. This team has turned into a really good basketball team. Maybe, I don't know, maybe if he came to L.A. under different circumstances where they are where they are right now, he could stay. But I don't know why he wouldn't want to stay now and why weren't you sitting with your team? You know, you, 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 okay, you're dinged. And I don't think he's that hurt. I really don't think he's that hurt. So he's looking out for himself. He's not looking out for his team. I don't. I I just don't like this. I I, I thought he was a great player. And when when he was with San Antonio, I mean, I know he's a great player, but I thought he was a great, like a Hall of Fame great player. And he still may be talent wise. But he ain't a Hall of Fame. He he's not. He doesn't have the maturity to be a leader. I don't. I don't. I I just. I don't like the guy. I used to like. I got him that. I got better. that part, Kyle. I liked sure. him better when he was younger than I like him now. I think he's a selfish. Not real. I think he's a selfish me guy. He's not a team player, and I'll definitely. I don't know. I I can't see a team saying, oh, this guy, going to be our guy. Yeah. Let me let y'all go. Thanks. All right, Kyle, thanks. The dude literally never says anything. Right. He doesn't He doesn't talk. He's much. not a locker room issue. Like, Well, there were reports. Look, in, in, in Kyle's defense, and I don't agree with everything Kyle said, there were reports last year, there were reports about the Clippers this season that they, they weren't, guys in the locker room did not like all of the special treatment he got. Now, look, superstars get special treatment anywhere, but when you've been somewhere for a little while or when you I, I don't know. I guess maybe it's just they didn't they didn't click with him and so it bothered him more. I have no idea, but there were reports of that. Um but I, I think, you know, who's a take weird him, guy. I you think, have to like He's different. I won't even use the word. He's just he's his personality. I've I I I, I maintain my point about if he's going to be somewhere have a strong locker room that's there where he just kind of gets to do his thing and and he can help you win championships. Or, I mean, or, he's, or have a team culture where you're not supposed to say anything. 
San Antonio, Miami. Cultures where you're not supposed to say anything. You're supposed to shut up and play. Mm-hmm. Kawhi would really love that kind of culture because he doesn't want to talk anyways. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Caller, uh, uh, listener emailed T.O. Just if, if you weren't listening earlier, I, I, Andrew had mentioned he said other than T.O. For five minutes. Uh, for five minutes, the Eagles had never had in your lifetime a great wide receiver. And then Richard called and said, uh, what about Deshaun? Deshaun. I, but I'm going to go back and say, like, you know, the kind of receiver I'm talking about is the Michael Thomas 100 mm-hmm. catch receiver. Yeah. Um, one season of more than 70 catches for Deshaun Jackson. That's it. Again, it was deep ball, deep ball, deep ball. That was valuable. But he was not Michael Thomas. All right. Last phone call before we uh, wrap up the hour. And Jay Walker joins us in studio. Uh, got about a minute or two left here. Welcome into the show. I don't think uh, Kawhi Leonard is out there faking. Um, yeah, I don't think he's faking. I don't think he's either. faking either. If you look at the game where he was injured, um, they were up uh, on Utah. I think that that would have continued. Um <laughs> Why is he not sitting with his team? Okay, uh, basketball, guys fly all over the court, so you need him right there on the bench with a messed up knee and someone running into him? Oh, okay, that's smart. <laughs> this is not football. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Come on, man. Let's think about it. Well, I guess because he feels that way because he, think, uh, he thinks he's faking, so I guess he doesn't think he's hurt. Um, went to Toronto for one season, then they won the title. Yeah. Okay. If yeah, he wins so, a third, like, like three I said, teams. He's like good. I said, um, Kyle's not a fan of Kawhi yeah, Leonard. That's what it is. He said it. You know, that's what he said. That was a that was a Kawhi hater, not just not a fan. That was a hater. Uh, you know, like I said, it's one thing to talk about him, but when when you're saying that the man is faking injuries, it's, it's a whole other conversation. All right, thank you. All right, appreciate it. Up next, we'll take a quick timeout. Back at two minutes, hour number two. Andrew Clay, just a couple days before he takes off, wrapping up his time here in Acadiana. Visits with me and our good friend Jay Walker. It's ESPN 1420.com. Don't go anywhere. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show. Scott Prather, Andrew Clay here with us. And uh, Jay Walker, back from a the trip of a lifetime. In studio with us. Aloha. Aloha. I see you wearing your Hawaiian shirt. Oh, look, I've got... He's still on vacation. I have a whole wardrobe of Hawaiian shirts. You're now now officially a Hawaiian shirt guy. I am officially a Hawaiian shirt guy. They're colorful, and they're big, and they cover up how fat I am. Okay. I mean, I noticed that most Hawaiian shirt guys that are, like, of a certain age are are bigger guys. This is true. But you're not, like... I wouldn't describe you as a big guy. Uh, well, just because you're wearing a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> exactly. And look, you wear dark colors, makes you look thinner. That's you right. Uh-huh. That's right. That's so right. We, I got all that working today. Good. I went through a Hawaiian shirt phase, honestly. Did you? Yeah. I was like in early high school. I went, I don't know why. I had a friend that wore Hawaiian shirts. Like, oh, it looks pretty cool. Yeah. It was a, it was a bad look for me. ESPN1420. 20 and, uh, years ago. Dot com. Um, Might be a bad look for me, too, but Jimmy Crack Corn and I don't care. So Andrew has uh, been down here four years, Jay. Yeah, I know. Parting and, and, ways soon. And I, I distinctly remember the first press conference he went to. He had just gotten to town. Just gotten to town. Um, and it was over at the, uh, in the auditorium at the, at the APC. And, um, 
you know, Andrew, first of all, you know, he walked in and I said, I don't know who this dude is, but, but he's way overdressed. And <laughs> I was. I was. He was not in Hawaii. Well, it was sure. my, I, I think it was legitimately my first day. Might have been. So I was all in. You know, you got you to gotta impress the first day. Uh-huh. You impressed Jay big time. Well, you know, he asked three questions, and each time he said, uh, Andrew Clay, KTC. That's right now. I remember that. That's I right Well, now I didn't know Hyde. I didn't yeah. know anyone. He didn't know. No he didn't know knew. how. I mean, those things were so nonchalant, too. It was just like, whatever. Right. Andrew came in. He was peppy. We needed, We actually needed more of that. We were all just beaten and battered and... No, it was, it was the last year. The hot era was kind of like, all right, here we go. And Andrew came in perky and mm-hmm. ready to rock. Oh no, it was it was wonderful. I met Heather Matzeus Fontenot that day too, and she introduced her as Coach MF. <laughs> That's how she introduced herself. She's like, I'm uh, I'm Coach Matzeus Fontenot, but they just call me Coach MF. I was like, okay, welcome to Louisiana. How do I spell that? T H A T. Um. Anyway, man, it's. Uh, I said this last hour. It's been great having you here. Uh, best of luck at the, the next stop up in Pennsylvania, and it's kind of a homecoming, dude. Yeah. Congratulations on that. Thank you. It's Thank you. it's uh, when you get a chance, you get a chance to go home like that. That's special, yeah. and and regardless of what you do, you're going to be relatively close to 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 home, and and. The, that's that's really really good. Happy for you. Thank you, thank you. We're really excited. It's it's been a wonderful time here, and there's a lot of people we're gonna miss, and it's been very bittersweet this week. But getting back close to family has been has been so important for us. Well, I asked you last hour the favorite aspect of covering sports down here. What's just been your favorite thing in the four years here? Man, uh, it's gumbo. Can I say? Am I allowed to say Absolutely. gumbo? Absolutely, sure. <laughs> um, it, Man, to find one favorite thing is so hard because there's been so much good. Um, but uh, you know, all jokes aside on gumbo, my wife learned to make jambalaya and gumbo within the last year. So uh, I've been joking that you know I may be leaving Louisiana, but we're going to bring a part of Louisiana with us because uh, it's going to be gumbo season for six months in Pennsylvania. Yeah, which means you're going to have to have a regular shipment of mm-hmm. decent sausage. The head, right kind of sausage. Way. The right if the, now. Did do you not make put a, a, do not put a kielbasa in a, in a gumbo. Okay, don't do we it. We won't put a kielbasa. Sausage <laughs> in a gumbo. I don't know. Remember uh, you saw that on a menu if you went somewhere and it was like chicken and kielbasa <laughs> sausage. <laughs> what? I actually never this thought about stew. the um I never thought about the issue of getting the sausage. Uh, Pennsylvania is like like butchers. I, I'm actually almost positive we're gonna be able to get what we need because like the meat industry the meat and cheese the lunch meat kind of thing like um, that whole industry is really really big but you do have to find the right sausage you're right uh, rue question we she uses carries that's uh-huh. fine um so and so do i she's gonna stock up on tony's too before we leave because mm. it's like a dollar here it's probably not a dollar up there got to yeah no so. you got it you got to pack it with you yeah, mm-hmm. two years ago i brought my daughter to a uh a medical future medical leaders convention up in massachusetts and we were um, we were staying at, a, at an Airbnb, so we had a kitchen and stuff. So we were doing a little grocery shopping. And all of a sudden, you know, I heard her on it. Dad, I was in another aisle. And she came. She said, look. And she had Tony's. <laughs> and, and she had found some in Massachusetts. She was all excited. Fun. You know, that child brought a thing of Tony's with her to Hawaii. That's good. No, you got to. It's smart. Absolutely. I, I, and, I, and she carried and she put Tony's on everything. Absolutely. I joked the other day. That I did one of the most Cajun things I've ever done in my life. I was I added Cajun seasoning with something that didn't need it. 
<laughs> I'm eating something at home. I was like, you know what? This could use a little Tony's. That's that's not that's that just means you've been here for a little. I while. know. I, I said to my wife, I was like, I don't think I've done anything more Cajun than adding Tonys to obscure foods that don't need Tonys. Oh my gosh! I remember Greg Larnard, who's now in Tennessee, but his first day here, I brought him to lunch and got him. I got him something that was kind of spicy, and he was just trying to be nice, and he was sweating everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and he like a year later he's like you know i'm used to it now i like it but god that first week everyone was feeding me and my stomach was like i didn't want to say anything but it was awful man and i was like but now like well now i like it i'm like exactly you know there we said to break you in hard man it's like training camp you come down here you got to fill you with some you know well seasoned food and then once you kind of break through that wall i guess if you weren't born in it then you start liking it and sure enough he left and he brought all of this food with him yeah and he was on the show uh, Monday for a little while because he had been in Omaha covering the College World Series. And I was asking him about Chattanooga. He's like, oh, there's a lot of great stuff. He's like, but you don't have food like down there, man. Don't have that food. Of course, Pennsylvania's got its own, right? You you went you went there for a visit, what, a few weeks ago, and you mm-hmm. were eating, I saw you eating cheesesteaks. Yeah, well, we, we literally, I think my wife had three cheesesteaks while we were home. I kept telling her, I was like, you know, we're moving back here. Like, you can slow down. <laughs> you can slow But we were in Philly. You know, we flew through Philly, so when in Rome. Yeah. You know, I don't know when I'm going to be back in Philly next because we're going to be on the other side of the state. Um, so we uh, we drove in from the airport. We drove into um, to Pat's, one of the two, like, legendary tentpole cheesesteak establishments in Philly. Although there, people will argue there are better options. But these are, like, two. It's Pat's and Geno's. And there's a street between them. Mm-hmm. And and literally, like, these are all cash establishments that they're all outdoors. The lines wrap around the building. The, and you just, you know, you go to one window, you order your cheesesteak. You go to another window, you order your fries and so your it's, drinks. I'm glad you said that because I've, I've I've seen those things on movies, TV shows, mm-hmm. documentaries. It's right out of the but it's it, So a lot of tourists sit them up, but also yes. locals. Yeah, I would say most people we were there with that day were, were local. I mean, it was. That's when you're like, doing it right. When you got the tourist attraction, but the locals yeah. take pride in it. Well, and and these are like the, the the two places. Like there are debates in Philly. Like what's better, Pat's or Geno's? And and I wouldn't call them like touristy touristy places because they're so raw. Like no one's gonna look. At, no one's Pat's or Geno's going like, oh yeah, I'm gonna eat there. Other than the line that goes around the block. Mm-hmm. Like the only thing that makes it look appealing is the line because from the outside, it's something you're like, yeah, let's just keep driving. It's not the like a Chickies and Pete's. Is more of a uh, a tourist destination as as like a bar restaurant, mm-hmm. um, but Pat's and Geno's, I mean, they're arguably the two best. Like I said, there are other places that say it better, but um, we're, we're big Pat's fans, so we had to stop and, and get one. You ever been to Marvin Harrison's sports bar? I have not. There? You ever been? I have not. You ever been? You know, shot at or anything? Around no. There? Well, I have. I have to admit, like Philly is not my favorite city. I love their sports, but it's kind of outside of the historical aspect. It's a bit overrated. Like, it's cool being right there on the river. And uh, for my wife, was it her first anniversary? We had a really cool weekend in Philly. I did one of those. I've never done this since, but one of those times where you just book a hotel, mm-hmm. but you don't know what hotel you're booking. Like, you know the features about it, but that's it. So we booked a hotel that ended up being right on the river, and we took a river boat. And I thought it was being all sly. Like, there was fireworks. Like, I surprised her with this whole thing. Like, she had no idea. We were just going to dinner. And then I pull up. We, we, we walk from our hotel to the docks. Nice. And we get on a boat. And I'm still thinking about being all sly, like, oh, there's going to be fireworks tonight. She has no idea. It's her first anniversary. We get on the boat for like 20 minutes of the week. And later tonight, we'll be 
stopping in the middle of the river to view the fireworks show. And I was like, you had to spoil it. Like, I had the surprise of the trip. And they spoiled it, but... Um, was that, she excited? She was. She was. But, yeah. I, you know, Philly is just... I, I'd much rather go to Pittsburgh, if okay. I'm being honest. I've been to Philly a, a number of times. I've never been to Pittsburgh. Yeah, I love Pittsburgh. I've been to Pittsburgh a few times, and... Uh, Pittsburgh's a great city. It's, a, it's it's so underrated because people think of Pittsburgh from the 90s and the 80s. But Pittsburgh of now is just a whole different place. PNC Park, greatest Gorgeous. ballpark in America. Gorgeous. Primanti Brothers. Yep. Hard to beat when if you want a good sandwich. Yep. And friendly people in they Pittsburgh. They are. A little different. Uh, I've heard that in Pittsburgh they're nice and in Philly they're not. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh and Philly are two different countries. Two different. They're in the same state, but they're not two in the same Two different world. countries. They don't even sound the same. You put someone in a room from Pittsburgh and someone in a room from Philly, they may not understand each other. Literally, the words coming out of their mouth, they may not understand. ESPN1420.com. Andrew Clay in studio with us. That's Jay Walker. Well, Jay, Andrew and I were saying, didn't talk a ton about the CWS because uh, once Vanny was up 7 nothing, it was pretty much uh, with, with, with Jack on the mound. I was like, oh, I don't need to watch this. It's over. Yeah. It was. Bulldogs have a shot tonight. To sure, they this. We, we, sure they do. Sure they do. See a game three. You know, you're. Um, I think you're going to see a game three, and and then you're going to see the two aces out there getting after it. Um, no, you know, Mississippi State last night saved their bullpen because they were throwing guys that do, who all did a great job. You know, Landon Sims got an extra day's rest. And uh, so if you if they get a couple of runs tonight, I think their pitching staff takes over. I don't think that Vanderbilt is this great hitting ball club. You know, they they really ride their pitching staff, which is not as deep as Mississippi State. So, yeah, I think we're going to see a game three. I certainly hope so. And Mississippi State's a team that they don't really commit errors. Vandy, on the other hand, they, they've had some issues in mm-hmm. there. I think if uh, – if there's a couple of errors for them tonight, I think we see a game through. All right, you 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 guys may have turned it away since it was seven to one after the I did. first inning. I did. Yes, they put up a graphic last night, and I went, "Wow!" You know, sometimes you see a great say. I had no idea. In the P five, Virginia Tech, Kansas State, and Mississippi State are the only three Power Five schools who have never won a team national championship in any sport. Really? Wow. They're the only three. In and it's sport? like, in it, and they've had moments, like at least I can say in football, where they've been ranked number one in the country before, each of those programs, but they've never been able to finish the job. And and they were a sweet 16 team under Rick Stansberry mm-hmm. uh, in, in basketball. And, you know, Look, they've been to the College World Series a bunch, and I just watched the other day the uh, the 30 for 30 with uh, Will Clark and Raphael Palmero, and in 85, everybody yeah, thought they, they were going to win the national championship. How have they never done it? I know. They've been to Final Fours. They've, man, that's wild. Kansas State, Virginia Tech, I guess I think of them more as football schools. Sure. But, um, you know, and they've had they've had some... Periods where their basketball was good, but still kind of not like the team in the state, you know, the states that they reside in anyway. I, I didn't know that. So the only P5s that have never won a single national championship in any of the the five big sports? No, no, no. In team sports. In team sports. Okay. that So now you're including uh, tennis. You're including, you know, anything that's Soccer. not an individual sport. Not golf, not track and field. Doubles in tennis. Um, 
Well, no, it's, college-wise, I guess. It's, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, any team sport. Okay. Well, maybe uh, maybe the, the Bulldogs can get it done. We'll see if the Cowboys, uh, excuse me, the Cowboys, the Cowbells can uh, can get it done tonight. You know, I would, uh, you talk about two obnoxious things, right? But I would rather listen to the Cowbells than that Whistler from I was from, about to ask you your thoughts on that. Oh, no, no, I'll Whistler. take the Cowbells any day. That guy has made like a quite a quite a name for himself here. Yeah, and none of it good. Do you, do, here's my question, guys: Do Vandy fans like or hate that guy? Well, they they kind of clap, and you know, I was last night. It was like he'd give three whistles, and then he'd clap three times, and then he'd give three whistles, and they'd clap three times. They respond to it. The Vandy whistle. Yeah, you got to embrace that kind of thing. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I, like, I don't know if you got to embrace. I, I I'd punch him in the face. I you know. I'd, yeah. Ask the announce. Ask the announcers for Vandy. How off the mic? How do you really feel about this? You know, thing? Carl Ravitch last night said, you know, for the first time I've noticed this, <laughs> and Peterson goes, "What? <laughs> yeah, like, are you kidding me? You gonna do is watch your Vandy game? You're like, what was that? And then you hear it over and over. And it's not like he just started doing it this year. No, he's been doing it a while. Ugh, that's gross. It's just gross. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. All right, what do y'all have in the Stanley Cup Finals? Lightning or the Canadians? Well, the the Lightning are going to win. Everyone's but picking what a five. great story if the Habs win it. What a great story. Yeah, it's been what ninety. What, what was 90, the last time? Ninety three, maybe. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Ninety three. And and they were the. They were the franchise uh-huh. mm-hmm. in the National Hockey League for so long. Uh, you know, I'm not a hockey guy. If Montreal wins, I'm getting a jersey. Really? Uh, look at this. We got Jay Walker wearing Hawaiian shirts and hockey jerseys now. The the one thing I'll say is I didn't the Lightning do some interesting cap gymnastics that were a little shady at the end of the regular You'd season? You'd have to ask someone else that follows the NHL really close because he or I do not know. I, I think it's the Lightning, and I want to apologize if I'm if I'm attributing this to the wrong team, but I think the Lightning had some players who were injured, but maybe not as injured as they're like the six weeks they sat out were, and they were doing this okay. to, to keep it below so the it, salary cap. This is, this is an article from um, April. The Tampa Bay Lightning dirty. have been circumventing the salary cap yeah. all season long. Now, they, they accuse several other teams of doing it as well. Uh, yeah, a couple of their guys hit the shelf the entire regular season. Um, and then they brought him back for the playoffs. Drove nine and a half million dollars salary cap, didn't play, and now back in the playoffs. So yeah, they a know. little dirty. I don't really care for that kind of gymnastics. I get that they was, cheat. Well, cheating. I, I get that the di- dynamics of financials for these teams they're, they're is cheating. So tough. Just this say, year. just say, just say the well, way it is. If it's, well, but a, see, if it's a legal loophole, I don't think it was necessarily cheating. They were they were trying to save money because there's no oh, money okay. this year. Well, yeah, okay. Carolina Hurricanes defenseman uh, Dougie Hamilton, after they got eliminated by the uh, Lightning, said, "We just lost to a team that's 18 million dollars over the cap." There you go. Yeah. By the way, I just got a text from my good friend Greg Jofra. Mississippi State runner-up in women's basketball, seventeen and eighteen, made the Final Four in nineteen. They've been close. Yeah, that's a tough sport to They've win. Been close. As long as Gino's still out there, they're, they're coaches in Texas now. I remember when uh, their basketball team got to the Final Four that was in Jersey back in the uh, in the nineties. Uh, I think it was them, UMass, Syracuse, and uh, I guess it was who was it? Kentucky that went to the that won the championship that year, but. Bulldogs have had some moments. They've just never, they've never won at all. No, I hope they win tonight. I hope it's a good game, and uh, and I hope we get that 
you know, decisive game three tomorrow. Before we get to TTT, your thoughts on the, the NC State situation in Omaha? Well, it's very unfortunate. You know, I, I look, I, I've, I've read all of the fans complaining and moaning and groaning, and I've read the conspiracy theories. I've read, you know, D1 Baseball, I think, yesterday had an excellent article where they went back and they chronicled did everything and right. d- did a yeah. timeline, double-checked. And and I keep reading, oh, okay, so they're not going to let these guys play when they're not anywhere near each other, and yet you got 20,000 people in the stands close to each other. Right. All of that is irrelevant, all right? The reality of the situation is the NCAA, before all of this took place, they came up with the standards that this is how we're going to do it. This is what you have to do in order for your team to play. It didn't happen. And so, the, but the NCAA had the rules in place. You may not like the rules. The rules may not make sense. But the NCAA followed their own guidelines on this. It's really, it's easy to hammer the NCAA because that's what we do all the time. That's right. Easy target. But... I, I can't I can't fault the way they handled the situation based on the rules that were set up. My my only question to to you is this for both of y'all: if let's say NC let's say let's just say the timeline was all two days later, would the NCAA have just crowned a champion if it was NC State versus Mississippi? State? Yes. So the Bulldogs just would have won, and that would have yep. been it. As a matter of fact, the scenario came up, and the question was asked: What would have happened had NC State beaten Vanderbilt? To, to go ahead and advance, and then after that, found out that this situation, and, and the answer was Texas and Mississippi State would have been playing for the national championship one game that night. So they, what if it was already set? What if it was just Sunday? What if it happened? On, I, I don't. So well, I, you don't think they would have pushed it back a week? I know, I know the no, answer. They, no, they gave. no, they would not have. No, they would not have. They simply would have called it a no contest and and. Uh, I don't then Mississippi State would be the national champion, and we wouldn't be having the conversation well, we had know. five minutes ago. To, to, to your question, though, I think there would have been a, there might have been more of a conversation about the flexibility if you are down the two teams because you could always come up with a solution. Hey, we could move this back two weeks, and we're only affecting these two teams if they're both games. Yeah. What, what I want to know, and I haven't been able to get, I haven't been able to find a good direct answer. Maybe that D one baseball article had it. Did NC State even have enough players to play a game? It was going to be like 10 players, wasn't I it? Would, I think it would have been like 9 or 10. They, they, um, I think what it would have happened, some of the guys who were held out of that game that they played against Vanderbilt would have been able to come back. Okay. Um, because they had said, okay, you know, we're going to take these guys and put them aside, but as long as they test negative the next day, we're going to go ahead and let them play. So, yeah, they would have had enough guys to play. Um, but it... You know, it is just, it's so easy to point fingers and be critical. And say that I don't necessarily like all of the rules based on some other stuff, but those are the rules. And everybody knew the rules before they started. So, you know, I, I got, I got no, I got no issue with the way it came down. Feel terrible for North Carolina State. Feel absolutely terrible for them. I've got issues. Of course, Jay would answer, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Well, so do you, because... Up next, for those listening live, it won't be on demand if you're listening via the podcast, but for those of you that are with us live, 
It's a triple trouble edition of Terrible Tune Tuesday on ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Was I supposed to say something? <laughs> Welcome back in to the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. Your bumps back today have been have been spot on. Those listening uh, on demand after the fact aren't hearing any of it. That's all right. They just hear us talking. We'll just t- we'll just tell talk. We'll just talk about that. I think yeah. all you have to do for them to know what song is playing is mumble, right, Jay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever covered a basketball player that was great at everything except shooting, and that wasn't like a traditional big man? I get Ben Simmons is tall, but he's a point guard. Okay, I um. Rajon Rondo still in the league. There, there was a time in the um, the late '80s to early '90s when Louisiana Tech was really good at basketball. Okay, and and Tommy Joe Eagles, the late Tommy Joe Eagles, was their coach. He got the job at Auburn. They elevated the assistant. His name was Jerry Lloyd. Jerry's assistants didn't recruit very well, and it didn't take Louisiana Tech long to become like a three and twenty-five team. Oof. No, they were really really bad. They have like no Division One players on their team. Back when and, the women's team was there, was winning championships. There, they had a point guard back then, and I do not remember his name. I have to go back in the archives to look. Who might have been the worst shooter I've ever seen? He was the point. And, and look, let me tell you something. He'd get five, six, seven assists a game, but he couldn't hit a layup. And he was about he was he was not very big. He was a really tiny guy. But I, I remember there was one time that we played them. And the guy scored a basket, like, on a breakaway layup or something. Because, look, they'd have a breakaway layup, and he'd stop and wait for his teammates to. <laughs> but, he, but he hit a layup, and there were, you know, the 18 people at the Thomas Assembly Center went crazy. Don't remember the guy's name, but, boy, he was bad. Bucks hawks tonight, Eastern Conference Finals. The Bucks play in the Hawks because Ben Simmons struggled to – I think he was allergic to shooting – in that series, and Philly, Philly kind of uh, helped Atlanta out a little bit. And to the Hawks' credit, they they seized the moment. Trey Young was great, but uh, where is Ben Simmons playing next year, Andrew? Philadelphia. I I, I really don't think Philly's going to one. Daryl Morey's not about to sell low. That's not a Daryl Morey mo. He's not about to sell low. And I I really do think if you can take Tobias Harris and and exchange him for someone who lives and dies on the perimeter, who is a true shooter because they don't have a true shooter on that team. I mean, Seth Curry is a three-point specialist, but I I don't consider him to be a true shooter. He's not a guy that's going to take 15 shots a game on a normal basis. If you can, a Bradley Beal type, a Lillard type, if you can take Tobias Harris and you can move him for someone who lives and dies on the perimeter, I think you open the floor up and allow Ben to play. I also think if you take the ball out of Ben's hands, Again, this is where I'm going to go back to the Dame Lillard thing. I don't think he's coming to Philadelphia, but he's the perfect fit. If you can let Ben play more of a slashing role, he can play above the rim, he can dunk, he can play inside, he can do a lot more. And who says uh, a big man can't pass the ball still? Like I don't. This whole idea that Ben has to be the half-court initiator never makes sense to me because you can still pass the ball. He might not get nine, ten assists a game, but who cares? He Well, I mean, it, I, I guess they do. They like everything he does except that. I, scoring part. I, yeah, I'm still going to go back to what I was saying earlier. I think this year was all about feeling things out. I he, think you'll see much more change next year. Hack a bin, 
come postseason yeah. time, that would return. The, He's got to shoot better spot. free throws. I feel right? like he'll have another great regular season, and when you get in the playoffs, when you when you're on the floor because you do everything else right, you get exposed when you are allergic to. Dude still hadn't shooting. grown up. Dude still hasn't grown up. Okay, he came to LSU. He was a total and complete cancer on that basketball team. He's the reason Johnny Jones got fired. He was not a team guy. He was an all about me guy. He was he there was one set of rules for the team and another set of rules for Ben. Mm-hmm. Ben never tried to get better. He did one year he becomes the very first pick in the draft. He hasn't grown up. He's still all about Ben. He still doesn't work hard enough. Now he said that he was going to pass on the Olympics for Australia so he could work on his individual skills. Well, gee, you only had to be in the league how long to realize that you didn't have individual skills? Here's the one thing that I've, I've never understood about Ben, and I want to say this here, and people are going to, I'm going to make some people really angry on my way out here. What's the difference between Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook, other than confidence? Ben uh, has, I don't know if Ben's issues are as much skill-related as they are confidence-related. Ben has taken some threes um, in preseason games. You watch him shoot a three, you're like, oh, that boy can shoot. Like, he looks comfortable. His shot looks good. He looks, everything looks great. He just doesn't do it. So I I think some of this comes down to, uh, it's a mental thing. And I, I have no problem after this after this uh, postseason challenging his, his mental space because, my gosh, I, we've never seen a guy have the yips like we just saw. We've never seen it. I, I don't, is it the greatest moment of yips? In the history of playoff sports, he passed up a dunk. He passed up a dunk. He passed up a dunk. I'm not saying he's a good free throw shooter. He's a 60 percent free throw shooter. Well, in the playoffs, he's 20. You just set the record for worst postseason free throw percentage ever. And and part of what Jay is saying, I mean, you can go back, you can Google it, you can read articles. There are stuff about his time at LSU. There's stuff even in the NBA that he doesn't like to listen to his teammates. He kind of likes just doing his own thing and. It, at some point, man, you got to just – and um, I don't know. He he enjoyed the perks of fame because he was really good, but it's like – I still don't think the dude has grown up. Yeah. I still don't think so. He's going to be in Philly next year, though. Mark it. All Mark right. it down. It's been fun. That is Andrew Clay. What, three more days on the news? Thursday's my last day. There you go. Everybody wish him well if you see him around town, if you see him on social media. It's been fun, Andrew. Uh, Thanks for hanging out with us the last couple of years, man. All the best, brother. Appreciate it, guys. That's Jay Walker. That's Andrew Clay. I'm Scott Prather. Steve Peliquin is next with Beyond the Game on ESPN 1420.